in this hourish long episode, you will learn the following things. Hold on to your seats. You will hear from Jillian Cocky. Jillian is the owner of Fearless Financials. She helps creative and independent businesses to build better businesses with her accountancy practice. Accountancy. <laughs> I was so terrified to talk to Jillian because I am very uncomfortable around this subject. But I also know that a lot of creative businesses feel the same way and that she would be able to provide us with so much value. You will learn how your money mindset is holding you back from running a fulfilling business and changing the world, what the difference is between a bookkeeper and an accountant, admit to it, you don't really know, when to start working with an accountant, how big your business should be, how to have a great connection with them, that they are not all men in blue suits that make you feel inadequate, how to start and keep a great financial practice or habit for your business, and basically you will learn how to not lose any more sleep over your finances. I think this is the best episode so far. If you're a knitter, if you don't have a business, just listen to it. Jillian is amazing. And I'm looking forward to hearing all the reactions to this episode. Hi, my name is Saskia. I've got over a decade of experience in running a small business in the needle craft industry. I'm obsessed with the healing magic of crafting and the power of community. Dreaming big about a world where we rely on value-based businesses, the kindness economy, and where we can fully say, fuck fast fashion. A Smaller Life aims to inspire you to look at your wardrobe differently. Where do you buy? How do you use your clothes? And can you make some of it yourself? We learn from experts in the needle craft, textile, and creative industry, big names and small, about what it's actually like to run a small business. I'm educated in marketing and photography and learned to do everything else on the job. Selling, pattern and product design, teaching and running a needlecraft school. As a small business owner, you're in charge of everything. Branding, marketing, selling, promoting and cleaning the loo. Emotional talks with sellers about wins and woes, product and design, conscious decision-making, why we do it, how we do it, and what we need to become the future of fashion without burning the hell out. And I'm determined to lift our scene up for the world to notice so they can step away from fast fashion. I've always said the first person to go on and the last person to go off my playlist is not me. It's my bookkeeper. Uh, when I think about it, it's a stupid attitude to have. I love organizing. I love systems. I was just taught from an early age that I wasn't any good at numbers and I've began to believe it. Um, by now, and thanks to this chat I had with Jillian, I know that you can learn just about anything and you can find great support um, where you need it. Jillian and I met at the Happy Startup Summer Camp, a camp for business hippies that want to use their work hours to do better things and build better businesses. We found out quickly that our slogans and our way of looking at a business and running a business had so much in common. Her slogan being, be you, be brave, build a better business and me with my Building Better Businesses circle. It was a great match. We laughed a lot. We had such an amazing time. And I knew that I had to have her on my podcast. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome Jillian. Then we're just warming up. This was our voice exercise. <laughs> Hi, Jillian. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm so glad that you're here. I have a question that might sound silly to start you off with. I bet a lot of small business owners will sigh in relief to finally learn the actual difference between a bookkeeper 
and an accountant. Okay, so a bookkeeper would help you keep the book. You need a bookkeeper or you need to do the bookkeeping at the beginning to kind of tell us what's coming in, what's going out, what's actually happening. The accountant should be able to use that information to help you either prepare tax returns or ideally the more interesting stuff is actually interpreting it and helping you use your numbers to get the goals that you want to achieve. That's the bit that's really interesting. That is such a concise explanation. <laughs> it's, it's almost like you practiced it. <laughs> No, but it's really clear. It's really clear. And I'm glad I understand. And I'm glad that it is what I thought it was. And it's easy for me to say right now. But I think that this is about as far as I go when it comes to financial knowledge. I'm going to be super open here in this episode. And it's going to be super transparent. But it's, it is not my thing. And I'm so happy that you are here to talk to us about it. So if we're talking about bookkeepers and accountants and you and your business have people that do both, you work with a particular group. Who's that group? So a lot of mine are, are creatives. A lot of my clients are creatives or kind of independent businesses. So like cafes and like community-based businesses or like with the social enterprises. So I've tended to work with people that I like, what they do, how they're doing it, and I get to connect with them. Mm. So that that's kind of my group. And a lot of them have ended up being creatives, mainly because I live in Glasgow. There's a lot of creatives in Glasgow, and I tended to know people in that industry. And that's kind of how, when I set up my own business, how I developed it. Right. I came from a very corporate kind of big four, big accountancy piece, and I really didn't enjoy it because I didn't enjoy working with the big corporate clients. Yeah, that's why I asked, because I always thought that you have to be a bigger business to work with an accountant and small businesses, like a lot of creative businesses are small businesses, not all, obviously, and they either do it themselves, crying and pulling their hair out. <laughs> or they have a friend that does their books and that's basically it. So is that what you see? Is that true? Or is it very wise to get an accountant, even if you are a small business? Obviously it is. But what, what do you see happening? I will caveat it that Obviously, I'm based in the UK, and so most of my my answers are kind of based on what I see here and what are kind of rules and how businesses operate. And I am aware that it's different in different countries and that you have an international audience. <laughs> so basically... Yes, I do. I do. Coming from a very UK perspective, we tend to have people that are being a sole trader, so they're self-employed, or they are a limited company, and it can be quite a small limited company, but they operate two different ways. And that's the main kind of split. And so if you're self-employed and you're or a sole trader, you can do your own tax return here. You don't have to submit accounts for public record. You can do your own self-assessment for the tax authorities, and you can do it yourself. I do have people that I know do it themselves and I offer guidance sessions to maybe help them with specific questions or to just upskill them. I have other people who will let just get me to get us to do their self-assessment because it totally freaks them out. They prefer to have an accountant doing it. They maybe are going for a mortgage or something like that, or they're I've got had ones, you know, for visas and residencies, and they prefer to have an accountant when they hand it over to the authorities because they think it looks better. Plus, there's people who come to us because, A, their time could be better spent doing what they love doing. And the, the accountant is a good investment for them because, A, we should hopefully save you more than you could do. Or we make you feel more comfortable that it's done right and they're not going to come knocking on your door and drag you off to tax jail. Um, and, you know, basically paying me a couple of hundred quid would probably help that you can go and make more sales or do what, you know, build your business yourself. So even the smallest ones I have, you know, I do work with. I maybe don't see them as often as, as the people 
who have got bigger businesses, more complex businesses, and that we're more involved. Right. We'll, we'll definitely go into that later. And there's obviously a reason that I asked you, because this would only make sense if you would have information that's helpful for my listeners. <laughs> and um, although I do have an international audience, I think the Netherlands, the US and the UK mainly. So I can provide a little bit of Dutch information, but I'll do that in the show notes because I have to research. <laughs> <laughs> and then if anybody's listening from the US that wants to share their perspective, please get in touch and we'll add some information to, to the show notes as well. So just backing up a little bit, we're going to circle back to the small businesses and how they can get some help from, from an accountant. Uh, but before that, I wanted to talk about a little bit broader money mindset. There's this whole thing with creatives. Is This is generalizing like a mad woman. Everything that is money feels kind of dirty to them. So a lot of creatives that I know and I've talked to in my decade of, of doing this work think that selling is dirty, money is dirty, everything should be about the creating, the offering, the giving And they have a hard time receiving the value back. I'm working with a group of small businesses in the field. And we're talking about this topic. And that's also why I invited you. It's just such a tough thing. They, they feel like sellouts as soon as they ask for the value that they deserve. You use brave in your slogan. I think there's probably a reason for that. What is that with the money mindset of creative people? Yeah, I think I see this a lot. I see that there's a bit where creatives have been led to believe that they're not any good with money, first of all, and that exactly what you would say around money's dirty and it's like the sellout. And I think it's not just creatives. You know what I mean? I think a lot of small business owners struggle with how to value their time and value their themselves um and being brave it take a lot like even I knew when I set up mine I'm like how do I price my services etc and there is a bravery element because you're putting yourself out there but mm -hmm. coming back to the kind of I think they have to decide is it a business if you're going to do a business rather than say a hobby then you there is going to be money involved that's kind of you know the definition of it or else you've just got an expensive hobby if it's not yes. making money in the end to be blunt so there's maybe a kind of what are you trying to get out of this what is the point of the business you know for you and somebody came up with the life-centered accountancy which I think is you know like what's the point what what is it bringing to you money's just for me I've kind of tried to do it that money's just a is a flow it's an energy You know, you getting money in helps you get other things in your life because that's the way the world works, whether it should, whether the world should work a different way is a whole different podcast. But at the minute, that's the way the world works. And so I've tried to see it and try to encourage ones that, you know, if you get more money in, then does that buy you more time to do things? Does that buy you the ability to invest in, in better equipment or whatever, or staff to help upskill them and to like, spread the joy of your um whatever you're making and and so I think there's kind of that bit of trying to let go of money being grubby and think of it as an energy flow and I bet you the same people that if you're going to buy something that somebody else has made you want to pay a good price to them to because you know how much time and resources has went into it so if you could try and flip it on the other side you know there's that kind of different perspectives but it's just flow and energy Oh, that's such a good explanation. I, I love that. That's really well put. I believe the same thing. And I'm always thinking uh, I need to be filthy rich because I need a lot of money to save the world. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I need to have lots and lots and lots of money. And that's how I focus on money nowadays, where I go, okay, I have a business that is focused on doing well, 
I want to I want to be valued quite literally. I want that my work is valued because if I don't feel that, then I don't I have less fun working. It's as simple as that. I just want to know that what I'm doing makes sense. And I think it's the same for creatives in, in different ways. If you're if you run a, a yarn shop or if you are a designer or whatever, just feedback is not enough to keep you going. So it needs to be it needs to be in, in the, it doesn't keep the heat on and the food in the fridge. No, no, and it is quite cold, I hear where you are <laughs> and where we are as well. So one thing I was I don't believe you can be fully creative or fulfill your creative potential if you're constantly worrying about money and like where's your rent going to come from or your mortgage or your food or like do you know what I mean I I feel like you know the frozen artist in the garret kind of thing or whatever really if you feel a little bit more secure in the hierarchy and you've got that bottom rung done does that help you even more creative ideas or that freedom to kind of have the time to explore things better yes absolutely absolutely being able to take care of yourself to be healthy and I'm not saying happy because that's just another podcast indeed also but to be healthy you need a little bit more time than a lot of people work so hard that in order to gain back some time they have to have some money to either have somebody do their household, take their kids for a bit, um, I don't know, whatever. And and money is not just about big cars. It is about making you comfortable and giving you the setup that you need to do your work properly. Yeah. What you need, like what money you need is different than what money somebody else needs but I think we're always sold this idea that it's all flashy cars and and multiple houses and you know like if you you know social media or whatever but it was the same idea before social media so but it's just that thing of you need to have all this stuff and so if people are feeling like grubby around money or uncomfortable about it I think there's a little bit of well actually what would a bit more money help buy you and what do you need and what are your goals because one of the things where I set up, I was like, well, what's your idea of success? Because my idea of success is probably different than some of the other people I used to work with. I realized that I don't need as much money as I had before or whatever. And so, you know, it's just working out what your number is. Because mm. when I went onto your website, there's something that really surprised me. You have a couple of questions for people that are interested and those questions are the types of questions that I do not connect to a financial business. So let me just go there and ask one. What you ask is, what's robbing you of joy in your business? What is a life goal you want to achieve? What does a successful business look like to you? That feels like a different approach than what you would expect. So could you talk a little bit about that? What would you expect? Just the numbers, like not a person, not a beating heart at the end of it. Yeah, robots. I don't know. People in blue suits, not a hot pink website that (laughs) uh, shows compassion from the get-go. That's something that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, well, I used to be very ashamed to say I was an accountant. Do you know what I mean? We're, we don't have the best reputation, do we? It's like, oh, dull. You were there with your calculator. My friends still turn to me and go like, so you're going to work out what we all owe at the end of the dinner, right? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> a day off and then I still do it. But anyway, <laughs> the, the reasons I digress, but the reasons being, when I set up, I wanted to be like, well, I want to work with the people that I like. I want to be proud of being an accountant. I've worked hard to get it and I've learned a lot. Um, and I learned a lot working with really big people and see, and having all the like different experiences I had. Now I feel when I'm working with people that I really love and I feel like I can make a difference and a positive impact with them, then I am proud to be an accountant. 
that when we got our new website, one of the things was to make sure I'm working with the right people and to make sure that I look forward to speaking to these clients, etc. So hence, I feel like those sort of questions help me understand if we're going to be a good values match or not. Also, it takes a bit of effort for somebody to fill it in. And so, you know, even from a selfish point of view, from the accountant's point, we get a lot of people that are just trying to find who's the cheapest accountant they can find. And so the fact that my form takes a little bit more time to fill in kind of weeds out some of those time wasters sort of thing. Whether I, when I get somebody that fills it in and it amazes me, like, and I just love reading them because I'm like, wow, you know, just the difference in what people want. And it also gives me an idea of, well, are they just wanting to save as much tax as possible or are they wanting to build a business that kind of can help them achieve that life goal and are willing to help me be part of that? You know, or let me let me be part of that with to help them achieve it. So that's why the reasons for que- answering those questions. And there's lots of accountants out there like us. I'm on a group, Facebook groups and stuff with other accountants and there are many of us. There's many of the old mm-hmm. but there are quite a lot of progressive ones as well it's so funny because you kind of forget that an accountancy office is it's a business as well you have to do your own branding and find your own ideal customer and communicate in a way that attracts the right people for you and so this is kind of a double layered interview in that way that's very nice very interesting as well we have feelings (laughs) yeah your people (laughs) i'm so glad i was able to clear that up for some people for myself especially She's laughing too. She's not just breathing. <laughs> she, and she has a really, you can't see that, but she has this bright, glittery, hot pink curtain behind her. So it's not just a breathing person. It's a very fun person as well. <laughs> That's my next one of weeding out whether people have a sense of humor or not, because it's not what they expect yes. the backdrop for a curtain. Yes. So. And I've had a few horrified faces on Zoom. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Wow. No, I I agree. Working with people that do not have a sense of humor is uh, almost undoable for me. Do you think as a result of having a complicated relationship with money, Uh, some creative business owners take their administration less seriously and they put it on a low priority. They kind of push it away until they can't anymore. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My friend who's on a trip to South America and sent me a picture of her doing her self-assessment at nine o'clock on the 31st of January, which is the deadline, is midnight that night. And I'm like, why would you leave it to that time? <laughs> I don't, I think they see it as less important. I feel that there's a lot of fear around it, which was part of the name of being fearless financials. And not fearless as in you're killing dragons and, you know, kind of like being reckless. It was more like, I suppose it's more like less fear. And I think there's a bit of people... When you don't know, when you're not confident in what you're doing or you're scared of what it's going to tell you, it's so much easier just to put it, like ignore it. Or you've left quite a long time. Like we all do this. Like I do this. You know, everybody does it that you leave something for too long and then you're like, oh, that's going to be a big, massive job. I need even more time to kind of, and then you're like, oh, I don't have enough time to do that yet. And it's only when it gets into deadline mode. Mm. <laughs> you're like, just why January? They walk around like zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I am like a zombie. January for UK accountants is, is pretty horrific. You look amazing for a horrific time. <laughs> just... You're such a sweet talker. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the lipstick. <laughs> the red lipstick. The brighter the lipstick, the more tired I usually am. Yeah, so I think it's fear. I don't know that it's it's making something less important. Um, I the people I've spoken to, it's usually they're really worried about stuff, or they're not confident in what they're doing, so they just they'll find an excuse not to do it.
If you want to build or grow your business in textile crafts, why don't you join our online community for the small monthly contribution of only 10 euros, which is basically $10-ish. You get to hang out, learn from, and share your business and your personal craft journey with all the lovely people there. Support the podcast at the same time and you get everything wrapped into one loving package. I would love to welcome you there. Go to patternshift.fm and click community. And while you're there, sign up for our emails so you'll never miss a thing. Do you think it might be cultural or sex specific as well? Males, females identifying? It's a good question. Sometimes I think that, especially in certain generations, I think less now than before, the men took over the financial parts and then you don't get any information and then you feel uncomfortable and uncertain and then you leave it to somebody else to do it and then time goes on and I might be talking from personal experience not in my relationship but the way it was brought up and sometimes they just kind of keep you in that stupid silly section of the family and and let us deal with this because it's too hard for you it is quite interesting because I have a mix between male and female clients but I have had quite a lot of female clients come to me and say that they felt very dismissed by a male accountant that they went to or like one went I remember one say somebody saying to me that they went to see this accountant and he went, well, what do you mean you haven't been to business school? Like you should need to do a business course. Or you need to do something before you can be a business owner. It's like bollocks. So yeah, I definitely had a lot of females come to me saying that they were looking for a female accountant or they were glad to find one. I presume a lot of that is around maybe that feeling of being patronized. But then I have quite a lot of male clients or whatever, and I've never felt like any of them were kind of like, well, you know, you should be acting in a certain way. That was the joy of having your own business is you get to be yourself, like rather than having to fill some, like be like somebody else's brand. I probably haven't unpicked it enough, but there, I think there is a lot of stuff with people, particularly females coming and feeling a bit like, oh, I don't really know what this is or I feel stupid asking it. I get the same way you said at the beginning, you were like, oh, this might be a stupid question or like this might be, you know, and I, I get a lot of that. And I'm like, well, I'd rather just know what they are. And actually everybody asks the same so-called stupid question. I, you know, I do si- uh, guidance sessions with people that are setting up and they all pretty much ask the same sort of questions, whether they're male or female. I don't think females should feel that they don't know things I think if you're starting up a business for the first time or even if you've been doing it for a while and it's changed a lot just find somebody you can ask the questions to and I think if you're learning basic stuff about finance etc there's a brilliant app that I've been working through called Juno and it's really good at kind of and it's focused on being for women and non-binary people and it's very kind of explains what you know what is interest or what is this or how you know how can I build up a savings pot so I think kind of there's a lot there's a lot of people trying to tackle the kind of gender finance gap because we tend to have less savings less pensions all everything because we tend to get paid less yeah I I've been uh, looking at an online course as well and I will look up the name for it it was also um, specifically for uh, women, female identifying people and uh, very helpful as well. So we'll put all of that in the show notes if you really want to work on your basic knowledge to get a little bit more confident. But you can help with that as well, I think. And I'll just go back for a second because I asked my community if they had any questions for you. And I do this with almost every guest. And even the biggest knitting designer stars didn't get as much questions as you get. (laughs) So they are very eager to get to the information. 
I'm so glad that you are here and that I'm able to help them through you vicariously through you. That sounds so arrogant, but you know what I mean. And but one of them, and I was going to leave that until last, but now that we're talking about it, one of them who's staying anonymous for this particular part says, Hi Saskia, I'm really interested to find out more. I started working with my accountant a couple of years ago and I don't enjoy working with them, to be honest. They made a huge mistake on my latest tax return. Luckily, I spotted it, but I had to question them several times. I don't feel confident in this kind of area. So when I question them, they give me loads of bullshit to fall me off, but I can see through them. It's not a good relationship, but when I ask others, they all say the same about their accountants, as you already also said that you hear from people. So I'd love to find out more about the expected relationship, responsibilities, and charges from someone else. So that's a little bit more practical, but that's really sad, isn't it? Obviously, as a group, maybe accountants don't help themselves sometimes. You know... You have to do such a hard job to show them that it can be done well and differently with swearing and humor. (laughs) Swearing included. No extra cost. Yeah, I think like any professional relationship, it's really key to find somebody that you do enjoy working with. Do you know what I mean? And I think I think accountants as a profession is developing more. So there's loads of tools out there nowadays that you can use to help yourself a lot better. There's a lot of digital items. And in fact, accountancy is one of the things on the list that they reckon AI and et cetera could make people like me not needed, really. And so my why I mention this is that where I see it from, well, a robot or a computer or, you know, some of the tools that I use already, they can help you get the bookkeeping or et cetera done quite quickly but it's the person that you're talking to and, and somebody that can empathize with you or listen to you or and have those suggestions or bring what they see elsewhere. I think that's a lot harder to replicate. And why I say this in relation to that question is because I think you have to find somebody that you can have that relationship with. And they might not be the cheapest accountant and they might not be, you know, compared to some of the ones who use a lot of these computers or, or offshoring things. Um, but... I think if you can have somebody, whether it's local, I have people who are local. I do a lot of doorstep accountancy. There's a lovely uh, fabric shop, ethical fabric shop across the road. And I like to go and have a wee chat with her or, you know, kind of when I bump into people because there's a local high street near me that I have clients on. And that brings joy to me. But there's also people online that, you know, like I kind of meet, I've never met physically. But we can have, you know, Zoom's so good now and we've all got used to it. And I was using it beforehand. I feel like I can have meetings with people and it doesn't have to be face to face. But you can build up that relationship with somebody and through time and trust, like people tell me so much information, you know, like I'm often the first to know somebody's pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant, you know, because yes. they're immediately worried about what that's going to do with the business. Me and the hairdresser, I reckon, are about the first that know. <laughs> knitting teacher because they start knitting small things and so it needs to be somebody that you can have a relationship with and that might take you hard that might be harder to find than like just going to what the person your dad went to or the person joe down the pub knows or you know the one at the end of your high street or something so i think going and trying to find somebody who does match your values and that has clients similar to you to pick up the mistakes part everybody always makes mistakes And one of the reasons I would kind of, you know, often the accountant will pull things together and then they will send it to you for review. Um, I tend to use videos where I can explain it all and send it to people rather than a meeting. And so that they have and I've been told it's really useful because they have time to stop the video, go back, relook it or whatever. And I get people going like, that's amazing. I actually understand that. Brilliant. that is so brilliant yeah it's such a, and it seems me having another meeting <laughs> so it's like work smarter not harder work smarter. it's a thing called loom and it's brilliant so i'll run through the accounts i'll explain it all and they can go back and have a look at it because people have then come back to me and said oh that bit's not right or this isn't right 
because I've maybe made an assumption that isn't actually, you know, they've told us stuff or they've given me something and we've just interpreted it differently than what they wanted us to interpret it. But so it's really important that when you get sent something from an accountant, you do look at it and you do ask any questions because it will be, when you sign off on it, you're taking kind of more responsibility for it. Because I do get ones where they're like, well, you're the accountant, that's what I pay you for. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but people make mistakes you can go back you know you usually can back and fix them or whatever and I I really but it makes me sad that somebody feels they've been told a lot of bull and like like any professional relationship it can have ebbs and flows and it can have its time and, and maybe it's time you know to find somebody somebody else yes but luckily there's fearless financials <laughs> so it can be done differently and I think we should move on to the positive side of things and talk about how things can be done differently. How do you feel about me asking the questions from the community? It could become a little bit chaotic because I don't know that much about it. So I've kind of organized it in the side of the accountant questions and the side of the creative business questions. And that was the amount of organizing that I've done so far hit me (laughs) okay so Flora asks how does an accountant for small businesses decide on a good price for their work does it encompass more than just working the numbers and I think we talked about this a little bit but I want to add if I hear you explain that you have different kinds of uh, customers do you sell different packages or do you talk to the clients and then figure out what you can offer them? The latter. Um, I, this was really difficult for me at the beginning. Um, as it is, you know, pricing is such a key area for all businesses and it's so hard, especially when it's a service. And, I, you know, I'm guessing yeah. you've been through it. I struggled a lot with this and like everybody I probably underpriced myself at the beginning and then as I've got more confident I've been able to raise prices and and kind of feel more valued I tried packages and they didn't really work for me but I I use software I'm very into my tech I use software that's been developed it's called Go Proposal and it's been developed specifically for accountants because the guy that developed it was fed up that he would go to an accountant and they'd be so crap at giving the proposal to him. And like accountancy used to be very based on time, a bit like lawyers or whatever, where you're getting charged for every six minutes. And I had 16 years of filling in timesheets <laughs> in the beginning. So I don't work that way. I hate timesheets. So basically I have this package, this software, and to kind of cut a long story short, it it works on what services I think the client needs based on the, the answers they've given me in the form and the follow-up conversation we've had with them. So I would put in what, you know, what sort of level of revenue they are, how they keep their books, who's keeping their books for them, what sort of things do they need, you know, have they got staff, are they VAT registered, blah, blah, blah. Have they got lots of transactions? Have they got not very many transactions? Is it the same people they buy from all the time? You know, so there's the variables that kind of, Based on those variables, I know means there's either less or more work for me or one of my team can do it versus I need to do it. So, you know, the level of seniority, if it's based on that and then you fill in the form and it, the computer spits out, this is how much it would be for each different service. So I like to do it that way because the clients can then come in and say, well, actually, I can't afford that at the minute. Uh, so maybe I can do the bookkeeping and that then what does that change? Or they can also see that it's this is what the individual lines are and I can explain them rather than I think in the past, our industry has a very bad habit of it being some sort of finger in the air or, you know, this is roughly how much something is. And it's People, I have loads of clients, people that come to me and said, my accountants never billed me or I get like this fixed fee, but then they send me all this kind of extra stuff afterwards. So I don't know what it is. Me and the other accountants that use this software are trying to be more transparent. You know, I use monthly fees. I've got direct debits, all that sort of stuff so that they are more, I don't always get it right, but you know, that's what I've tended to try and do because A, I don't have to chase people up if it's automatic. 
And so that's where I tried to go. So it's based on your need and it's tailored to your business and you're in control of what you get us to do or not. Sounds amazing. I love that. I love the transparency and being able to figure out how to find balance in how you work together and not being stuck with this is a package and you have to deal with this package. Although it might look easier access from the beginning, in the end, I think it's so much more valuable if you can really have almost like a made-to-measure way of working together. Oh, I like that. I'll steal that. (laughs) Steal it, steal it. Uh, I was thinking something about it. Yes. So when people go to your website and they answer your questions, do you, what happens next? So it's quite new. So I've been, we're still working in that process, but um, at the minute it's coming in, I'm reading it and I'm either, depending on what their need is, I'm either passing it to one of my team members or I'm meeting with them the next stage to kind of, understand the information a little bit more so that I can build this proposal and then we'll have a proposal call because it's nice to kind of meet the person and but some of them I just go back and say well I don't think we're a good fit there's certain software I don't use and things like that yes and to be quite Dutch (laughs) at what point do you start charging in that process (laughs) at the minute we don't charge until we start working with somebody that's fantastic. So there has to be a proposal that's signed off and then a direct debit gets issued or whatever. If they're a, not a monthly person, like a kind of, if it's a self-assessment, which is a simpler thing, it's just a one, you know, we tend to see them once a year sort of fit. I would like to see people more. So I'm kind of trying to develop what I can do to kind of see people that are maybe one person and it's quite small, like how I can help them throughout the year. I think that that, t- that process and, and knowing that takes away a lot of the fear that you can go through that whole process and decides then that takes away a lot of the fear. I know how this conversation can sound as if it's one big commercial for your business. It is not. <laughs> I'm asking these things because you are working with creatives because I, I love you as a person. You're an amazing person, but also because... I'm interested in the backside of your business and how that works and how your thinking goes. And so there's all kinds of different layers here. And I know that sometimes that might sound like, uh, how do you sign up to work with Jillian? That's not all that there is to it, although you're welcome to, obviously. Right. Then Flora goes on asking, did Jillian learn important lessons from small businesses that she worked with? she would love to share with us I do learn from my clients if that's what she's meaning because I I could read that question two ways and one I do learn from my clients some of them have been in business a lot longer than I have do do you know what I mean and I kind of can learn from them about how they manage their teams how they manage you know the ebbs and flows of demand and how we all learned from each other during the craziness that was COVID you know, like how everybody was pivoting, how the resilience of some people compared to the kind of how others kind of just blamed everybody else. I think it brought out a lot of people's character, that kind of difficult time. And But then I also learn from my clients and they're able to share that information with other clients. So I think that's part of where an accountant can help as well, because we're seeing other things or we're talking to other accountants about how their clients are kind of doing things, not in a you know, you're not sharing specifics because that's client confidentiality, but you can kind of say, look, you know, I'm seeing a trend in this area or suggest people might try this out or, or the other. But yeah, I, I think a lot of what I've learned, you know, you may be running a different business, but I've learned more from how people run their business and how they operate and how they work with their teams is what's interesting me at the minute. Nice. Cool. And then I love this question. Does she have an Excel sheet with all her yarn? I'm basically asking, does she do yarn accountancy? And obviously, does she also make stuff? This is where I have to admit, I am not a knitter. I don't have any yarn. I do have a fabric stash. (laughs) 
think because you mentioned that fabric store and people just don't walk into fabric stores for no reason. So I'm a kind of, I say I have a fabric stash. I started trying to learn how to sew and I've given up. I put it on the back burner for now. Horrified gasps throughout your podcast listeners now. But um, when I was working, and this is the other thing, isn't it? It When I had a proper job rather than running a business, (laughs) When I when I was working and I was in London for a couple of years and like I remember sp- spending like a week's holiday going to Central St Martin's for a pattern cutting course or whatever and I just like really loved going swanning about this place and tried to learn to sew a few times but it's not quite stuck and I just felt like I wasn't able to give it the band like having a small child and then starting a business afterwards kind of he's now eight and the business is getting more stable so hopefully I'll be able to pick it up again you will my mum's a sewer and I was dragged around sewing departments of department stores in my childhood and I think I rebelled against it if I'm honest well if you ever need any accountability I know of a very nice and loving community that does knitting as well as sewing so uh just give me a ring Cool questions, Floor. Thank you. Uh, we are going on to the on the side of the creative businesses. Anne asks, how can we encourage creatives to put in frameworks and tasks to facilitate the accountant to transform it into a tax return? Now that's very practical, but I'm sure you have an answer well, for that one. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> how can you make my life easier? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> Yes. So I reward the clients like that by the cost is usually less. There's a traditional idea of us getting shoe boxes full of receipts. And that is really not my (laughs) cup of tea. Um, I prefer to use digital kind of tools. There's plenty of them now. And I can send some of the details over to you if you want to put them in the, the show notes. But and for like the bigger clients, I use zero or there's like, which is international or the smaller ones. Um, I've been trying to encourage people to even use some of the new banks that come out that are on your apps. You can kind of get um, accounting bits that you add on to them and you can put the receipts in them and everything and trying to get people to go digital. Because in the UK, that's where there was meant to be a change in the sole traders way of doing the returns. And they were going to have to use digital tools and they were going to have to do it more regularly. It's been punted down the line a bit, but it's where people are heading. And not only is that's going to be the law, it's more, it's easier for you. If you do it little and often and you get into a habit of doing things, then it's done. Do you know, it's not a kind of, oh shit, it's the end of January or it's the whatever and I have to find all this information. Um, so I think trying to get into a habit of doing a little and often finance Fridays, we <laughs> kind of yay. And yes. so I'm I'm in a yes. I'm in a kind of community um, called Upfront, and there's a global bond there that's just a group of you know that's apparently a bond is a collective of women, which I didn't know, but uh, we. One of the girls set up Final Finance Friday. So we have a co-working hour or 45, I think it's only 45 minutes that we log in, do a Zoom call and we do stuff together. And I feel kind of if, you know, if people have got other friends that they're also running businesses, maybe setting up some sort of like, we need to do this. But doing little and often, I would say is better than leaving it all to the last minute. The quality of the records is probably going to be better. So the accountant will be more glad to see it and can get things turned around quicker and probably cheaper. And you're more likely to pay less tax because you're more likely to have more things that you can, more of your receipts or your the things that we can offset against your income. So without getting too technical, I would say, look at the tools that are out there that to digitize things and make life easier. And then and get try to build some sort of habit around it and then reward yourself for doing it and make it part of the community (laughs) yes how about filing financial fridays followed by festivities yes love it (laughs) 
In our business circle, we have uh, work sessions set up where people work together on writing texts or anything that they have trouble with. If they know somebody else on the other side of the screen is also doing that, it makes it much easier. So this could be a thing as well. Find an accountability partner. And uh, I have some good tips, uh, a good book uh, that's all about habit building and um, link in the show notes again. And uh, what you usually do is you connect it to somebody, something that you are already doing um, and then you reward it. So that's basically where you should find your habit building things. Awesome. This is so great. Before I ask the next question, how are you on time? Because we're running out a little bit. I'm all right. I'm fine. Okay. Thank you so much then. Um, how can we encourage creatives to set the sum aside for potential taxes? If there's a specific percentage of sales income, that would be a good benchmark. I'm going to do the typical accountant answer. It depends. <laughs> it's like, what it does depend upon is probably what you, what country you're in and how you, the tax kind of applies to it um, and what other income, et cetera, you have. For people that I deal with who only ha who are in the UK and say are a sole trader doing self-assessments, et cetera, and that's all they have, like it's just their business, they don't have other income. I tend to say it's usually about a third of your profit, but profit's hard to know. So maybe if you put a third of your turnover away as investment in the bit, you know, because there was an old saying that was like a third for the business, a third for you, a third for the tax person. Do you and if it's less, then you've got savings set aside. It's kind of where I go in it. However, it, that depends on what your circumstances are. But I think putting aside the money regularly is a really good idea. I've made the stupid mistake before of spending my VAT money. And that's the one that everybody seems to mess up as much. Is like, it's not your money. Never think of it as your money. You just take it, keep it, give it out. And... I've made the stupid mistake of like spending that, being transparent. I've used Starling as a bank. It's one of the digital banks here in the UK and they have this thing called spaces that you can put money aside. So you don't have to have a separate bank account. It's just, it's, it's set aside for things. Yeah. So I have a lot of different spaces and I put my VAT money or my tax money or my payroll, my money for my staff in these pots and I fill them up during the, the month and it makes me feel comfortable that I have that and I don't have to stress about it because I hate stressing about money it drives yeah. like I will wake at 3 a.m in the morning freaking out about it yeah. so don't think accountants have it all sussed as well <laughs> like we still no, we, can, we can get the fear. I think that's really good that you have that because that makes you a good accountant because you understand how you can lose sleep over it yeah it's like I don't, I, I need to have a buffer. I freak out very quickly, all that sort of stuff. But what I would say, if I think about this, is go, maybe go to your last tax return. And this is probably most relevant for somebody that's a self-assessment one. Go to your last tax return and work out how much you paid and how does that compare to your turnover? And maybe use that as a benchmark. In the UK, you're if you pay over a certain amount of tax, you also have to pay these payments on account. So you pay them twice each year or whatever. So again, maybe speak to your accountant and say, well, how much do you think for me? How, you know, what, what is, what is the expectation over the next year? And they'll probably say, well, how are you doing compared to last year? Blah, blah, blah. And, and you could work out what you think you need to put aside. And that awesome. works for like limited companies as well but putting again putting a little and often aside can help habits 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 and if you know you're behind trying to build that up slightly yeah and if you can't pay it if you can't pay your tax always go and speak to the tax authorities and tell them you can't pay it because most of them like over here whatever whether if you stick your head in the sand you're just likely to get penalties and interest and it'll get worse Yes, and you won't sleep well, and if you don't sleep well, then your business is not going well, and there you go. So habits, not hiding. That's big things that I'm getting. Thank you for that. That's very, very helpful. Uh, and goes on saying that 
she actually shares more than asks that an accountant could be part of our team instead of a tax collector facilitator. And uh, that's how I feel about it too. Running a business, I have an editor that does my podcast editing, uh, sometimes works with a writer and a photographer. And these are just people that help me build a better business and we do it together. And I think that's an important thing. And I also need to mention my best friend, Saskia, who has done my numbers for me over the last decade. And she's put up with so much crap for me. <laughs> Thank you, Saskia, for all those years. Having them be part of your team, uh, I think that's really good that you that you mentioned that, and I agree. And I think it's really important. It's like I asked somebody once, you know, like how could I be a better accountant or something, and they were like, "Well, make sure that you're not turning up once a year for the tax returns." And so, in some cases, I feel like I am doing that for some clients. So that's a focus of mine this year is to go like, "Well." how can I stop that? How can I be more or be part of the team? You know, I've got, I've got bigger clients that I am very much part of their team and I really enjoy it, but they do go, you know, but, but being able to be more of a valued part of the team, because I see what you spend your money on <laughs> and I see, you know, I can see that there's people spend huge amounts of money on coaches and all these sorts of things that when their accountant could maybe help them do the same thing and actually knows their business if they've been with them for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a mindset shift on both sides are needed sometimes. Yes, exactly. To build a relationship and a connection, you both have to think about the other person as being part of a whole. And, and, you know, maybe people, actually asking their accountant can you help with this you know being open and saying this is what I'm struggling with can you help with this and how much would it if you're worried about the money side of it how much is that likely to cost or whatever or what can we do you know how could we work together on this sort of thing and see if they are interested thank you all right then Grace is next and we've already discussed this but I, I just want to repeat the question because she wrote it down funny how does she prefer her clients to keep records of all their material costs? Is she just hand me a shoebox full of your receipts type? You're not. <laughs> or does that drive her nuts? Yes, it does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've talked about that. That's all the digital, the software that you can use. And, and you help people with that. Yes. And like kind of trying to work out which one's best for them or whatever. I suppose I came into it very much like I had my ideas of these are the ones you use or whatever. But I've, the client, you know, the client needs to work out what they're going to keep up with or what they what they will engage with. But generally, I think that if you can take a picture of a, a hard copy receipt and, you, and then that's it, you've got the picture of it. It's in a piece of software. It's attached to the transaction that you spent it on. Then you can get rid of it and you can forget about it rather yes. than where's where's all those receipts gone oh have I lost that one blah 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 yes, yes. or when you get an email and when you you know mostly these days you buy something online you get the email attached receipt so yeah. I've got like an email address you can forward it to and then we've got the information awesome. other clients maybe that are smaller just use google drive and stuff so yeah there's yeah. things there's an there's a there's a solution out there for you that doesn't involve shoe boxes and receipts. <laughs> yay, yay, we don't want shoe boxes. Like Marie Kondo says, like you can use those shoe boxes to fold your socks in and say thank you to the socks, whatever. Um <laughs> although I hear, I hear she's now got three kids and has given up and being as neat. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna look into that because uh, I'm very much of the church of KonMari, not necessarily the person, but another episode again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one is very, this one came in later. You haven't, you haven't seen this one. So I'm just going to try. Ooh, mystery uh, question. We'll, we'll just, we'll, <laughs> we'll see where we go with this one. Lisette asks, would you advise a starting small creative business to immediately apply for VAT registration slash returns or wait until they reach the threshold 
and that application becomes mandatory. I take it this person is probably from the UK. She's not. She's not, okay. She's and and from why the I thought that was because what's the fat, th- fat threshold in the Netherlands? I don't know. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> well, it changes. Uh, usually, like in the UK, it's eighty-five thousand in the twelve rolling twelve months. So it's and it's a lot higher than a lot of other European countries. So that's why I thought she was because I think, from my understanding, with a lot of European countries, is that they hit the fat threshold pretty quickly. But if I was speaking to people here, I would usually say not to sign up immediately on the assumption that this person is selling to consumers rather than business if if you're making something and selling it like in a shop or online or whatever to consumers rather than businesses those consumers can't claim back the VAT so if you if you register for VAT straight away you're kind of either having to put your prices up and be more expensive or you're losing some of your margin because it's less admin and Hopefully your margins will have improved by the time you're a little bit bigger anyway. Awesome. Thank you. I feel like I should know. I I, I knew once and and there's a a small business line where you register or not register. I just don't know what it specifically is, but I can look it up for it. I feel like I fat shamed you. (laughs) You did fat shame me. Yes. Fat shame there's fat shaming. We should do a, a warning at the beginning of this episode. There's fat shaming in here. Throw <laughs> it on myself. Um, last question. No, I have two more questions. What advice would you give to a one-person small business fat registered outsource as much as possible or one person does as much as possible herself and only outsource the special things such as the annual accounts. I have this conversation quite regularly with people from everything from setting up a limited company to you know doing the, the tax returns, et cetera, themselves. It depends on what that person, how financially confident the person is, whether they are going to do the bookkeeping regularly and whether they're going to do it right. I tend to charge more for accounts when somebody else has done the bookkeeping than that's not a qualified bookkeeper or an accountant, etc. Because I know I'm going to have to fix all the mistakes. I have, a, I suppose, if I have a rule of thumb, I would tend to say that if they're VAT registered, they should get an accountant to do the VAT returns for them at least, and preferably the bookkeeping. I have mine kind of priced where I think it kind of makes more sense for me to do it, or us to do it, if you're VAT registered. Mainly because VAT is hideously complicated. You know, like the rules are ridiculous, or at least they are in the UK. Just so bizarre that they would be probably well-versed to just give it to us and I know that when I've tried to explain stuff to clients they still get it wrong so I would I would say if you're one person and it's fairly straightforward and you're comfortable with whatever tools you have and and the turnover isn't that it's underneath the VAT threshold then by all means do it yourself as long as you're comfortable with it and you've kept your notes so that we can like change it if, if needs be show your workings but once you get to the VAT threshold I think you'd be better kind of outsourcing it I still also think that you could probably add more value to your business not doing the books unless that is something that you really enjoy doing. And some of you do. Some of the software I, I use, you know, like the, the Zero software, you do get a nice little, by like getting everything pretty and, and kind of reconciling everything and getting all the green buttons and stuff, there is a little, they gamify it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? So you do get a yeah, little yeah. Action, or maybe I'm just sad but no uh, <laughs> no you're not some clients quite like doing it because they're like well I understand this software so I don't mind doing it but I, I just think and then some of them I have they do it and then I go and check it for the VAT return because I've got software to, to go and analyze it and hopefully that answers a question yes it did and it also answered the last question 
the first bookkeeping components topics task you would advise a small business should look into herself so I think we have covered yeah find the system that works for you and stick with it oh my gosh I think this is the 54th interview that I've had and by far the other ones were inspiring and everything and interesting but this is so chock full of value for uh, small creative businesses in the needle industry that I'm talking to. And I am sure they will be chuffed with all it is that you were so generously sharing with us. Thank you so much for everything. I'm just so happy <laughs> that I just got that shamed only once. <laughs> and I understood everything. <laughs> I'm so relieved. Oh, Thank you so much. That makes me happy. Um, Thank you. And immediately thinking, there's one big question that I didn't ask. Do you work with people from outside of the UK? Um, unfortunately, I don't because of the fact that I don't know the rules in that sort of area. But if somebody is struggling with trying to find a kind of accountant that isn't meal, peel and steel, <laughs> that if they get in touch, then I maybe I can find somebody who might want to speak to them. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your generosity. Also in time, I loved it. If this episode wasn't everything you've always needed, you're not like me. <laughs> It was for me. I thought this was the most amazing conversation. I learned so much. I even almost want to do everything myself now, but not completely. And luckily we have people like Jillian that can help us in a way that is not completely sucking the life out of us. So if you're in the UK, you can go to fearlessfinancials.co.uk find Jillian there, maybe start, it's, it's the beginning of a beautiful, lasting connection with your accountant. I still say this giggly, but Jillian, you really changed my mind about this whole thing. Thank you so much again. Hi, my name is Saskia. I've got over a decade of experience in running a small business in the needlecraft industry. I'm obsessed with the healing magic of crafting and the power of community. Dreaming big about a world where we rely on value-based businesses, the kindness economy, and where we can fully say, fuck fast fashion. A Smaller Life aims to inspire you to look at your wardrobe differently. Where do you buy? How do you use your clothes? And can you make some of it yourself? We learn from experts in the needlecraft, textile, and creative industry, big names and small, about what it's actually like to run a small business. I'm educated in marketing and photography and learned to do everything else on the job. Selling, pattern and product design, teaching, and running a needlecraft school. As a small business owner, you're in charge of everything. Branding, marketing, selling, promoting, and cleaning the loo. Emotional talks with sellers about wins and woes, product and design, conscious decision making, why we do it, how we do it, and what we need to become the future of fashion without burning the hell out. And I'm determined to lift our scene up for the world to notice so they can step away from fast fashion. 